So here's what we're going to do. You and I, we're going to go out and get in my pickup truck. We're going to start down the road. You're in the passenger side. I'm driving. When I get up to 30 miles per hour, there's a stop sign coming up. You reach out the window and grab that stop sign when we go by it at 30 miles per hour. And all of a sudden, you get this really big-eyed look in their face. They're like, are you crazy? And I said, exactly. Don't do this at home. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Ram Trucks. Guts, glory, Ram. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast, episode number 172, the most important podcast of the entire year. That's right. I'm Tim Chelswick. I'm Matt Drury. We have Mark Drury. We all have a special guest joining us later, but we're teasing this right now. This is called a deep tease in the industry. Oh. And now you guys are in on We've all the teased. teased. It is. <laughs> and it, it's, it is the most important one though. In all, all reality, it's a serious subject and it's one that I can't wait to dive into with today's guest. All right. Before we jump in, Tim's going to take us through some shenanigans. Shout outs. <laughs> Not as serious. We're going to get through the shenanigans before we get to the serious stuff. Let's do some shout outs. All right. We love it when you guys rate and re- review the podcast on whatever platform you happen to be listening on. And every now and again, we'll pull a few and we'll read them. Tim reads good and bad, Mark. This, you haven't been a part of this little lovely I've not, treat. I've missed this. So <laughs> I'm anxious to hear it. <laughs> All right. So our first one is from Brothers Rut, and it's titled Information, and it's perplexing. I'll just I'll just let you know that. It's deep. <laughs> it just simply says, love the story. Thank yeah. You. Hey, you know what? I've read a lot of bad reviews over our time here at Drury Outdoors, we'll whether good it's Archery Talk or whatever. So I assume he heard some story that he liked or they. Who Let's do that. Yeah. Let's assume. Let's, Let's yeah. assume. I don't know what So this is just to. a podcast review. Yeah. I mean, just could be for, any of them. For the, entire, for the entire series. This is not for a particular Maybe show. Maybe it's the story of us, Tim, and our <laughs> friendship together. That's probably it. <laughs> I've been moved. All right. It's better than hate the story. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, Mark. It is. What's next? Do you want to do the next one? Okay. Next one's from Mike W851 titled Top Notch as Usual. Everything DOD team puts out is always among the highest quality in the industry. You get an applause, my friend, and I'm shocked Tim put this in there because he always makes me read the crappy ones. (laughs) All one time we've done this before. (laughs) Well, always. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think W851 is his last name, by the way. Could be. And this day and age. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop in that one, but there was no other shoe. There you go. Just, there's usually the word, but. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But could you please stop or yeah. whatever? So All right. Thank you for your shout outs. If you give us uh, a rating and review, we'll read them. Good and bad. Yeah. No charge. All right. <laughs> On to. So let's introduce our subject. Okay. The subject is going to be about tree stand safety and awareness. And I know when you get into that, you might think, uh, I'm going to tune out, but yeah, don't tune out, you know, over the time. And I can remember dating back to the early two thousands. And it's the first time I've ever kind of been known about something like this with, uh, Thompson, Thompson falls and yeah, Brian Thompson, Brian Thompson, yeah. one of our team members back in the day mm-hmm. had a real nasty tree stand accident. He did. And I mean, serious stuff. And through time since then, I can count probably five incidents. Unfortunately. And it's a scary situation. Every time we, you know, when you get the call or the text, I get 
goosebumps thinking about dad that morning uh, hearing yeah. about dad and you know and this camera guy calling me it just it's a horrible thing nobody thinks to want to talk about it or review it ahead of the season because it may not be the sexiest subject but as mark alluded to it's the most important one and it really is you I know, mean, it's something you got to take serious and there's a there's an entire organization committed to safety september is tree stand safety awareness month yep and yep. Uh, we thought it would be fitting as we head into the season to get this on the top of everybody's minds. So stick with us through this because I, th I think everybody's going to pick up some some uh, very useful and helpful safety information. Yep. Yeah. So we have a special guest, Glenn Mayhew from the Tree Stand Safety Awareness Foundation joining us from Virginia. Glenn, welcome aboard. What's up, Glenn? Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on uh, today. You know, I greatly appreciate having your audience uh, be part of this. And yes, September is Tree Stand Safety Awareness Month. Hey, all of us are so anxious to get out there, get in the stand and and lay some down out there. So uh, I'm, I know the season out there comes in actually a little before us here. I'm in Virginia. We've got to wait till October. <laughs> it's so hard to wait that long. But you guys are pretty fortunate out there. Uh, get a little earlier start on. So, Glenn, I'm curious, what are some of the misconceptions when people when people hear you say, OK, I'm from the, the tree stand, the tree stand safety awareness foundation. What do you think are the immediate preconceptions that they have right or wrong about what you do? Yeah. So, you know, when I do shows or, or have talks, I, I've heard all of the excuses out there. And, and a lot of people say, oh, you're going to talk about harness. I don't like harnesses. They. They're, they're, uh, they don't fit well, or they're too expensive, or uh, they're not, they're not going to allow me to get that shot at the right time. And, and on none of that is true. Uh, absolutely none of it is true. You know, so I, I try to engage them with, with whatever their excuse may be, uh, and, and try to get them to understand. The other thing I always do is try to get them to put a harness on. Many of these people have never tried one on. And uh, so I always at least try to put them in one, get them to understand what they're about, how quickly you can put it on. They say, oh, it takes too much time. It takes less than 30 seconds to put a harness on to get in the tree. That, that's shocking to and, me. I could see where he's coming from if somebody has never, ever used one. Maybe it's an old school guy that just yeah, grew up, you know, I never had anything, you know, hunting. It just And their mentality is yeah. different. Old dog, new tricks kind of thing. But the reality is, I mean, they make, and yes, you can, you know, you could spend some money and get an expensive one that's for comfort and ease. But doesn't every tree stand come with a, some sort of yeah, generic a, a version, standard, standard version yeah, full body well? harness? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, any any stand now that's produced that meets the standards rec recognized by the Tree Stand Manufacturers Association is required to have one of those harnesses in the stand as part of the purchase that you're talking about. And also, and those work well. They'll they'll fit most body types. Uh, and I'll, some people find those a little bit more cumbersome and want to buy one of the aftermarket products, which there's many many vendors out there that produce the aftermarket products and as you mentioned there, Matt, you know, you can choose your price range that you want to be in, whether it's a, a $30 or free harness when you buy that stand or a $30 harness or a $130 harness. Mm -hmm. uh, but I ask you this, what's your life worth? Yeah. Yeah. What's that one trip in the ambulance to the emergency department going to cost you versus that $30 harness that you just bought? Uh, yeah. It's an insurance policy. 
And, and in addition to that, really, the safe line should be, go hand in hand with that, not just the harness, but the line that keeps you attached all the way up and all the way down. Like I was talking to Tom Gallagher the other day, and he said the advent of the safe lines where, where, they, where they're hooked the entire way has really brought the accident numbers in the country down. Can you speak to that just a little bit in terms of where we were versus where we are now? Yeah, I think it's a real combination of things, and and those safe lines, lifelines, all the different you know, different vendors have different names for them. I call them rope safety lines. But sure, but yeah. So when we first started this organization, we set a, a stretch goal for us to reduce the number of tree stand incidents by fifty percent by twenty twenty three. And the uh, the data that we were basing the baseline off of was from two thousand ten. That was the first time we had really national baseline data. Well, I'm pleased to announce uh, for the ending 2019 season, we actually surpassed that 50% mark. We hit 65% reduction at the end of 2019. So my hat's off to the whole outdoors industry. This wasn't just us. This took the whole industry, the hunting and outdoors industry, getting behind the safety message, which includes those rope safety lines or safe lines that's, that you're referring to uh, being part of, of reducing those number of incidents. So uh, that's the lowest number that we've seen on record since uh, the, they started keeping the national data. So those lines, like you said, keeping you connected from the ground all the way to the top and back to the ground. And one of the things that people will ask oftentimes, they'll say, hey, I used one of the ropes for the first time but I disconnected at the top and then hooked into the strap. And so there's a piece of misinformation we we like to try to help educate people on. Once you're hooked into that rope safety line, you never have to come off of it. So you can stay on it from the bottom of the tree to the top during your hunt and back to the ground. So 100% connected. Which also makes it super easy and convenient once you're in the tree, you know, it's because that's always like the, for me, one of the most tense parts is when you get to the top and you're trying to get your safety belt around the tree to hook into. Yeah. And I know some guys use kind of a lineman's style and it's, it's different for everybody, but I don't know. That's always the moment where I'm hugging on a little tighter. For good reason. Like, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Let's get this thing <laughs> yeah, on and then pull the bow up. So with, you know, not only for a sake of ease, just ha- being on the whole way up mm-hmm. once you're in, yeah. you can immediately pull your bow or your weapon or whatever right up. You're kind of settled already. I mean, that's always a tense moment for me. Well, and we, we talk about life and death, there's also a middle ground and that is just losing your ability to hunt or enjoy your kids or, you know, uh, uh, any number or of things mobility. you cherish doing. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, when I talked briefly about those in our Dre Outdoors history that we know that have had an accident, no, luckily nobody has lost a life or anything to that degree, mm-hmm. but several it has caused severe mobility issues through time or other issues or yeah. chronic back issues or you know i know blair goins he had multiple surgeries i can't he did i mean like more than a handful of surgeries invasive surgeries to fix his leg it was rough on brick as well and louis louis I mean, both of them. yeah still has some some things he's fighting through and terry i mean he i don't know that he'll ever shoot or draw a bow the same way it, it with his back issues that mm-hmm. that yep. he got out of it you know broke some bones in his in his back and it just never really you know came back the same way so i, I don't know when you when you it made me think about it a lot differently the closer it kind of hit to home mm-hmm. you know and you're like you know we can't take 
risks and not that we were, but in dad's, you know, situation, he was, he just didn't have the safe line. Mm -hmm. He was climbing up the tree to, he's always our biggest proponent to the team internally about safety, safety, safety. And here's a guy that spoke the loudest about it and it and happened to him, meaning it can happen to anybody. And it it just was something as simple as a a peg, an old style screw in step, tree kind of died around it and mm-hmm. it just get pulled out from him when he was climbing the climbing up yeah you know it's not anything he did wrong other than there wasn't a lifeline in there and all his sets have them now mine do too in reality and and one of the things that's brought to light for us since terry fell look at all the stories we've heard from people that are viewed our shows or heard of terry's accident and then reached out you mm-hmm. know in wheelchairs or paralyzed whatever it is yeah, yeah. terrible accidents so yeah. it, it is really heartening to hear that you've reduced that number by 65%. You guys deserve a, a huge round of applause to have the organization and to have the efforts you guys do collectively getting all the tree stand manufacturers on the same page. I mean, that's that's a huge deal, Glenn. Hats off. Yeah, well, well thank you. But again, I, I we, we've just kind of been the ones that have helped corral the message. It's been people like yourselves that, have, that are really out there, the boots on the ground uh, that are preaching it. And along with our hunter education instructors across the nation, you know, another thing about the the uh, safe lines or the rope safety lines, the number one cause year after year of our falls is simply a slip or loss of grip. And that happens when people are going up and down or in and out, that transition period, Matt, that you were talking about, or going up and down. We've got mud on our boots or there's uh, the rung is a little slick or you reach and you grab something and it comes loose. So being on that line, that safety line, that's going to save you. And, you know, one of the things we're huge advocates for is hunting from tree stands. Tree stands are a safe way to hunt as long as we follow the safety principles. I think, please, uh, you, you better quote the real the real um, way to do it here. But was it like a couple weeks after you're done hunting a stand, you're supposed to take it down or, you know, I know that's probably something most guys may not do out there that, you know, you guys uh, would like for people to take the stands down within a couple of weeks of use. Right. Right. So that that's a perfect segue. So we, our platform's called the ABCs of tree stand safety. Me being in education for 30 plus years, I know we have to keep things simple for people to remember it. So a, that letter a stands for always remove and inspect your equipment. We as hunters, as, as a fellow hunter, I'm, I've been bad about this myself in, in past years, not taking our stands down as you were just talking about. We need to get that stand out of the woods, out of the elements, bring it in, do the preventative maintenance, replace any straps, look for any wear, excessive rust, things of that nature, because inspection elements that we fail to do on a regular basis cause about 30 some percent of the falls. If we had taken that stand down and inspected it, we would probably have caught it and it would never happen. That was the cause for both perfect, both brick and Blair. Yeah. Hmm. Both of those were, it had been in there a while. And in both cases, the, the belt failed. Was it Louis as well? No, Louis Louis was a stick. Yeah. Stick malfunction. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Those, the, the straps, those, uh, nylon straps, the UV rays are the worst enemy to nylon straps. You guys are probably fully aware of that, but when you leave that nylon strap out there, 
365 days a year being exposed to the sunlight, then you add other weather, tree growth, a squirrel comes along and nibbles on it a little bit, then it's a recipe for disaster the next time that you step into that stand. Uh, and you may not always see that, you know, when it's dark, when you're going in that morning or, or whenever that time may be. So A is always remember to remove and inspect. And then B is buckle on that harness. We want people wearing that full body har- harness every single time, not only during hunting, but when you're out practicing. I myself, I'm lucky. I live in the woods. I have two stands up in my backyard that I practice from. I wear that harness when I'm up in the stand because that's, I consider that perfect practice. For, so for all your listeners, perfect practice. Practice like you're going to be hunting. And, I'll, and then C is connect before your feet ever leave the ground. And that's the, uh, the safe lines or the rope safety lines. So whether you're practicing, hunting, or moving a stand, always stay connected. Glenn, what parts of tree, you mentioned tree straps, but what parts are you finding generally fail on a tree stand that are causing some falls? So again, the, the straps, uh, those straps are, are one of the, the most significant, whether it be on the sticks or the stand itself, because many of the sticks have a strap that go around the tree yeah. that you ratchet on or have a cinch buckle on one of the two, uh, along with the stand. So so being, again, cognizant of that, that that is a potential point uh, that you need to, you really need to look at that and get that stand down, bring it in, keep it in a cool, dry place out of the sun and do your, look at, look at your manuals. We're all bad. <laughs> we're, we're all bad at throwing away the, the, the manuals because when we first get things and we go, all right, how exactly did it get put together? But uh, keep the manual. A lot there's preventative maintenance information in that manual that tells you how to take care of your stands. Mm-hmm. You know we invest a lot of money in those stands, so take care of them. They'll last you uh, a lot of years if you take care of them. What about upcoming tech? Is there anything on the horizon that you're seeing that you're excited about that may do something for hunter safety? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm fortunate. I get to go to the ATA show every year, uh, just like you guys. And so you get to see all the new latest and greatest gear that's coming out. One of the things that I'm really excited about that I think is going to be very helpful as we move into the future, we're seeing more and more of the ladder stands actually have a jaw system on them. So when you bring your ladder up and lean it into the tree, there's some type of ratchet system that actually brings a jaw system and wraps it around or clamps onto that tree. So it helps stabilize the ladder before you ever actually climb up that first time and to attach your uh, rope safety line. So that, that one piece of uh, technology right there that we're seeing employed, I think is really going to help both when we're putting up stands because we see a fair number of falls happen when people are both either installing or uninstalling their stands. So I had, uh, this has been a few months ago, but I sent Mark and Terry a text with a picture I was watching, it was something on, I think it was like NBC, you know, Saturday morning I was watching with my son Cameron and they were showing, it was one of those, you know, fun uh, tech kind of shows that shows you kind of future, whether it's NASA or whatever future inventions. And this specific one, I think it was, it had something to do with, um, maybe airbag technology from cars. I think that's where it started. And they were trying to implement it for construction workers or whatever that work on scaffolding. And when they fall, this system 
it can it can realize i guess the pressure of the drop okay and it blows the system out so by the time you sure. hit the ground you're hitting an airbag Jeez. and i sent it to these guys i go man this seems like the future of tree stand you know harnesses and yep. of course dad like poked 50 million holes through it because <laughs> he's mr engineer but <laughs> it, like to me i thought i'm sure it's super expensive right now but i could see where this could be the future of the harness itself where it has little airbag pockets in it for you know what it senses whether you're falling on your back or your butt mm-hmm. or your front and it blows that airbag out before you hit the ground. I mean, to me, I thought, you know, lifelines and all that's great. Everything we're doing is great, but that's one piece that might really could really make a difference for everybody. Yeah. So no doubt. I don't, have you guys seen anything like that come through? No, I have. I know there's technology out there that exists like that, that can actually sense that change, um, that sudden acceleration and change in, in direction. So I know that does exist. But like you said, uh, getting that technology at a price point mm-hmm. where then the consumer is at a level then the consumer would be able to afford it. That, that's the whole key uh, to this. So, you know, there will be future developments, I think, coming down you know, the road in the next five to ten years. But right now, I have not seen any of that being integrated into any of the harnesses. There you go, Tim. <clears throat> Start making it. Okay, be a millionaire. Gonna, work on DeerCast and work on the inflatable safety harness. You got in time. My spare time. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, as far as as far as influence, uh, you know, hunters, we are pretty, um, we're pretty bullheaded when it comes to a lot of things. What what do you think is what what helps to drive the message home around safety? Because I, I you know I. I know, I know a lot of guys think it's never going to happen to them and it, this is someone else's problem. It's not going to happen to me. Everybody thinks that, right? It's yeah, yeah, human that, nature. You, you don't know how many times I've heard that. And it, it's not going to happen to me or I, I can fall and, and grab a limb, whatever it may be, all the excuses. But one of the things, if you realize who, what's the segment of the population that we see most of the falls occur with, and that's, that's the the person that's in their late 40s up until their late 50s. So kind of that middle of the road age bracket of of who are the hunters that we have to convince. One of the things we've realized that's really helped us a lot, those people are typically family people. A lot of them have kids, they have wives, they have uh, late, you know, ladies fall as well. So maybe it's a husband, but they all, a lot of them have kids. So we really try to focus, if they won't focus on themselves, Focus it on their family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mentioned there a minute ago. This, when you have a fall, typically it's not an injury that's something very simple. It has long-term impact. So think not only about yourself, but think about your family. And we use the family uh, spin to really help augment our discussion. And 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 when you have uh, a family standing there with their kids, and you talk it talk about it in that way, oftentimes the light comes on. Uh, something changes when you when you bring the, especially when you bring your kids into that element. Uh, so the other thing I'll tell you that I use, especially when I got that real tough guy syndrome, and we all know what that's about. Mm-hmm. I, I use this quite often. So somebody was talking, we were talking about math a while ago in engineering. So <laughs> I always have people tell me, said, oh, I, when I fall, I can reach and grab a limb. And I said, all right, you're the tough guy. You're going to come out. You're going to go hunting with me. I'm going to put you up at 30 feet. And when you fall, 
your body accelerates, all right? And when you actually strike the ground from 30 feet, your body has accelerated to 30 miles per hour when you strike the ground. Mm. So here's what we're going to do. You and I, we're going to go out and get in my pickup truck. We're going to start down the road. You're in the passenger side. I'm driving. When I get up to 30 miles per hour, there's a stop sign coming up. You reach out the window and grab that stop sign when we go by it at 30 miles per hour. And all of a sudden, you get this really big eyed look in their face. They're like, are you crazy? And I said, exactly. Don't do this at home. Grab that limb and make it happen. That's the quote to promote this to promote this whole thing because that p- brings it all home for yeah. the guy that thinks he's going to stop himself once no he falls. Well, not going to happen. Dad mentioned it. He goes, when when I fell out, he goes, I'm grasping. He goes, it happened like that. Yeah, you're he, on the ground. He, you know, and he, he just he couldn't think. You had no time to think. It was, it slipped out and I know I'm slipping and now I'm on my yeah, back. By the time you go, oh crap, <laughs> you're on late. the ground, yeah. you know. Yeah. And most people can't do a pull-up or a chin-up. Imagine, yeah. Oh, yeah, holding holding yourself and all the weight. Yeah, mid fall, catching something with yeah. enough strength to keep yourself up. I mean, you see it in movies all the time. It's not the re- just watch YouTube of people on rope swings. People don't know how much they weigh and how much <laughs> like force is behind that yeah. moving body. You know, that's interesting about the the you know the stop sign and going thirty yeah. mile an hour. I've often wondered what the force is when you hit the ground itself. Well, yeah. What kind of force are we talking about here? Yeah, Matt, that's a great question. In fact, you know, our average hunter hunts up, you know, 16 to 20 foot high, most of them on average. And so if you think about an average size hunter impacting the ground, it's say I'll make a number of it. Let's say they weigh about 180 pounds. The impact force, just that quick impact when they first hit the ground, it's amazing how much force is there. We're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12,000 pounds of force oh my for gosh. a split second. So people go, all right, well, what does that really mean? What is 10 to 12,000 pounds of force for that split second that your body feels? Well, think about this. They've measured the punch pressure of some of the uh, greatest uh, mixed martial arts people out there. A lot of people watch the mixed martial arts and know how hard they can hit you. The best ones can hit you with about a thousand pounds of punch uh, force pressure. So imagine you standing there and having about 10 or 11 of these guys hit you at one time. Doesn't sound good. That's what your body's feeling when you impact the ground. Nobody wants that. So uh, that's that's just another great way to, to try to visualize or, or from this point feel uh, what it would feel like hitting the ground from that high. Wow. Think about 10 Tim Sylvia's. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> no thanks. 10 of any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. Pass. Mm. Brutal. I wouldn't want 10 of you guys hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> We're wieners. <laughs> 300 pounds, of course. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> it's kind of like a mat. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. It is. The ropes. I'm so glad he no, brought that up. Yeah. The 30 mile an hour. <laughs> drive yeah. 30 and then grab arm. a limb or stop side. Yeah. See how it feels. Mm. So. Where are we at on the question of the day there, Big Tim? We got it. All right. Let's load it up. Let's do it. The question of the day is proudly brought to you by Plano Cases. Protect your passion. Hi, guys. My name is Chad. Hi. I live here in uh, Southwest Iowa. My question is, I wanted to put up a scrape tree and a couple of my food plots this year. I was just kind of wondering by what time frame would you guys make sure that your scrape trees are up and ready in your food plots? 
Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. And if folks want to add their own question of the day and have us answer it on air, just go to the show notes, click uh, where it says, ask your question here, and I'll take you to our webpage, click send voicemail, leave it for us. It's easier we'll than it, it sounds. There. <laughs> yeah. A lot, it sounds like a lot of steps. It's just a, lot of clicking. a, a couple taps. <laughs> All right. So we always default to our guest. Glenn, what say you? Yeah, so Chad, first off, thanks for your question today. Uh, that's that's a great question. More people are putting those scrape-type trees out there in their food plots. And so I would encourage you to get that in place probably at least a couple weeks ahead of your – I think your season there in Iowa probably comes in ahead of ours. Uh, Actually, here. Iowa is 10-1. It is 10-1. Oh, it's 10-1. Okay. Missouri, Missouri is 9-15. All right, great. Thanks for that clarification. So you're very similar to mine here in Virginia uh, for Saturday in October. So I I like to get that type of uh, implement out, uh, usually about the time the deer actually start shedding their their velvet because they start right after that, they're, they're starting to mark that territory. So if I've got it in place by the time that happens, then you're set. They're going to be used to it being there. They're going to be looking to mark that territory. So uh, get it out there before, well before your season starts. And for us, I would get mine in place uh, in early September, if not even a week or two before that. I think that's a great answer. And uh, another thing about scrape trees in general, the larger the plot, the more scrape trees I add so that mm. you actually have some real structure in front of you. Mm -hmm. You know, some some plots, we have three of them in a little cluster. So we try to get deer to always come okay. to that end. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we do to make it quicker, we go with a six and a half foot T-post, drive it in as deep as we can, sure. and then we wire a tree with the right limbs to that T-post. That's the quickest way we found to, to actually mount one. And they seem to last a little bit longer than trying to dig the hole and put it in there because ultimately the deer always wallow, wallow the hole out. Yeah. So I saw that tip on Growing Deer TV, yeah, Grant, Grant, and I was like, why haven't Brilliant. I been doing that? I'm like, Duh. he's always been smarter than me. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. And it, it really does, you know, speed the process up. Yeah. And as far as when to do it, you know, I, I usually think about the time you're putting in your food plots is always a good opportunity. You're in there, you're messing around anyways, you're making the racket, the noise. Sure. Like that's, we did, we just did it last week. We used the opportunity to go ahead and, and drive that in, put it in and set it up and have it ready for, you know, you don't got to go back and mess with it unless you're wanting to go out. I know some guys will go out and make mock scrapes and put the scents out and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And we did not do that, but um, you can always do that at a later date as well. And conversely, I like to leave them there throughout the entire season and yeah. year because they get communal where deer continually go to the same yeah, spot and, sure. and check them and, and really hit your scrapes. So while they may not be on them early, sometime during the year, they probably will start working. I got a question for you. So what is the ideal tree that you cut down to put? I always go with oaks because that's where I see the bulk of the scrapes at uh, mm -hmm. uh, on the farm. So I always grab a little oak tree, but any, any tree with an overhanging limb will work. But I actually go grab scraped trees. In other words, yeah. if there's a scrape under it, I go nail it and put it out because oh. I want that scent there as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. Cool. But we're running out. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, how many can you possibly have? <laughs> yeah. We're running low. So it, does the oak tree, does it allow for the leaves to stay a little longer? It than, does, especially a little pin oak. They'll, they'll stay brushy throughout the entire fall. Okay. Because so. that's always, I have apparently picked the wrong trees for years. I think this year, Scott's got a bunch of oaks though. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Shingle oaks as well. That, they stay brushy quite a while. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah especially okay. if you cut them right now while they're green, they're, those leaves will hang on for both of the season. And I guess if they, if you did pick the, the wrong tree, the leaves fall out, you can always 
through the season, grab a limb and and zip tie it or something. Tie, yeah, zip tie it to the tree you put out. Yeah, zip tie it or we we screw it in, you know, and leave it that way. Because one thing I've noticed with scrape trees, like you can take a tree that's got a scrape under it and they'll scrape and work the limb, but dadgum and they're alive. But when you put them out in the in the plot. They're dying, obviously, once you sure. cut them. They will rip those things to shreds almost every single year. They'll break those limbs off almost every year. Oh. And I don't know why the difference, hmm. but they seldom just come up and work it and paw the ground. They rip them apart. When, and maybe it's the lone target out in the, out in the food yeah. plot, and they just take their, their aggression out yeah. on it in the middle of the night or whatever. But we lose limbs almost off of all of our scrape trees every year. Huh. They destroy them. Interesting. Just destroy them. So we're constantly adding limbs back. Building, I see building trees. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> well, they actually did do that with the tree koi back in the day. Yeah. They called tree yeah. koi. And we still have some tree yeah. koi out and they're still still scraping under those. Yeah. So, so nice. There you go. Tip of the day. Question of the day. Of the day. Answer. Question of the day. <laughs> now wildlife word of the day. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, Glenn, you're lucky. You're in for a treat. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. <laughs> This whitetail word, uh, this white, this wildlife word is not a wild is not a wildlife word. Easy for you to say. I'm having a it's going to be something to do with I a whitetail. Read. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a multiple choice. The question is: A whitetail's intent intestines are how long? Eight feet, twenty-eight feet, three feet, or D? It's really none of your business and too personal of a topic to discuss publicly. I see. Eight feet, 28 feet, or three feet. <laughs> Glenn, you're the guest. You get to go first, buddy. Uh, hey, I'm going with 28. I know how many times I've seen those things get really stretched out. All right, Mark. I would guess 28. I would guess B. Yeah, me too. I was going to actually guess A. <laughs> a. <laughs> That's what you that, let the guess That go. tells you how many deer that I've got. <laughs> Not nearly as many as I should by now. Well, you guys are correct. Hey, yeah. Huzzah. Yeah, uh, that may be the first. Yeah, I think so. That may be a first. We should just stop doing that segment now. Hey. And on a go. high note. <laughs> Maybe Glenn wants to sponsor it. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, if, if folks want to uh, to find out more about the Tree Stand Safety Foundation, how do they do that? Absolutely. They can uh, go out to our website, treestandsafetyawareness.org. Uh, also, we're on all the social media platforms, just Facebook, type in Tree Stand Safety Awareness. You can find the same with Instagram and the other platforms where we're out there on all of them. So, uh, you know, reach out to us. Uh, the other thing I'll say, we do a lot of great giveaways. Thanks to all of our great partners that we have um, through Facebook and through our other social media. So jump on there. It's a, I, I know it's tough to sell uh, safety. So, Hey, we have great giveaways from great <laughs> partners well. uh, to help us keep the people coming. That's yeah, right. No doubt. Awesome. No doubt. We'll link all that up in the show notes too. Yeah. And we, when we push the podcast out, we'll make sure and, and tag in and all those as well. And we appreciate having you on, especially leading coming right, you know, September's next week. So we're right here and season's upon us for a lot of folks. So mm -hmm. it's go time. It's getting close. That's right. I'm excited. Does everybody, are you prepared though? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's why of course. That's we're why, ready. That's why he kills the big deer. And <laughs> yes. You and I. We're still scrambling to get to get everything pulled together. Yeah. I mean, I'm close. 
Just we are 100%. too. I need rain, <laughs> but that's a different podcast. Different yeah, topic for to different be continued. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching and listening. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Have a good Glenn. one. We appreciate you very much. Thank you for all your Thank efforts you. out there. All right. Till next time. Be safe. Peace out. Every hunt starts with a game plan, like knowing when and what to plant. So get DeerCast and get ahead of your game.